Good morning. Welcome. Good to see you this morning. Good to be back with you this morning. Glad you're joining us online if you are. Really glad you're here in the auditorium with us. We're spin together as well. Welcome. I uh, want to say a special welcome this morning to Anthony Mackey and his wife Nissa, who are sitting right over here. Raise your hands. Anthony is a youth minister candidate uh, visiting this weekend, spending some time with the teenagers and parents, and uh, uh, honored to have them with us this morning here at Bay Area. So a guy and his wife are sound asleep at 3 o'clock in the morning when someone's banging on their door. He gets up and he walks downstairs, opens the door, it's raining outside, and there's a guy standing on his front porch. He seems like he's a little bit intoxicated and says, could you give me a push? And the guy says, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. No, and he shuts the door and goes back to his bedroom. His wife said, who was at the door? He said, some guy, some crazy guy at the door. He wanted a push. He said, what did you tell him? I said, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. It's raining outside. No. She said, well, you've got a pretty short memory. Remember like a month ago we were on vacation and you got stuck in the mud and that stranger came by and gave you a push? Don't you think you ought to pay it forward? So he's feeling guilty. He goes back downstairs. He's dressed. He walks out in the dark on his front porch. He can't see anything or anybody. And he yells, hey, are you still out here? And he hears a voice that says, yeah, I am. Do you still need a push? I would love a push. Yes, thank you. Where are you? I'm over here on the swing. That was bad, I know. But sometimes, listen, sometimes patience seems like a waste of time, doesn't it? James, the brother of Jesus, will tell you patience is never a waste of time. In fact, James, the brother of Jesus, will tell you if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you're going to have to learn to be patient. So yeah, today we are back in the book of James again. Appreciate Paul uh, preaching last Sunday while I was out of town. Did a great job, but we're going back to James today. When I first decided to preach through the book of James, I had five sermons kind of outlined. Five chapters, five sermons, and it'll be simple. This is now sermon number nine on James, and we're not finished yet. We're going to be back in James next week. Uh, on Mother's Day as well. We'll finish it up then. But there's a couple reasons why I have stretched this series out so long. The main reason being, it's just so good. I mean, the things that James is writing about is just so good and so important. But also, it sort of preaches itself. I mean, James is talking about things that we all need to know, that we all need to be better at, but he talks about it in a way that everybody can understand. Now, if we're going to develop a faith that works in the real world, we're going to have to pay attention to what James is talking about. And this morning, we're going to see that James is talking about patience. Because there's something that James knows, and he's tried to impress it upon us as well, and that's this. We are usually in a lot bigger hurry than God is. We just are. We are usually in a lot bigger hurry than God is. And if we're going to have a faith that works in the real world, if we're going to keep it together, we're going to have to learn to be patient. So let's look at the text today, and then we'll back up, and we'll look at it a little more closely, but I want to read through it first. I'm in James chapter 5. 
Uh, we're going to pick it up in verse 7. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Again, remember the context here. Remember who James is writing to. He's writing to people who have suffered unjustly. He's writing to people who have suffered unjustly at the hands of others. Nothing will test your faith. Nothing will test your patience like suffering unjustly at the hands of someone else. And most people, when they suffer unjustly at the hands of someone else, they react in one of two ways. They either want to get even or they want to give up. Most of the time, we want to get even. You know, we're like uh, Sean Connery's quote in The Untouchables, that quote that I love, you want to get Capone? He comes at you with a knife, you go at him with a gun. He, he puts one of yours in the hospital, you put one of his in the morgue. That's the Chicago way. <laughs> it's kind of the American way too, right? You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you, but I'm going to up the ante a little bit. I'm going to hurt you a little worse than you hurt me. Or I'm just going to give up. And then James comes along and says, can I offer you a third alternative? And it should come as no surprise that James's alternative is going to be a much better alternative. James says we need to practice patient endurance. We need to learn patient endurance. And let me say this right up front. When James is talking about patient endurance, he is not suggesting passive inactivity. This is not what this passage is about. There are places in Scripture where God absolutely affirms that if you can do something about a situation that you are in, in an appropriate way, you need to do something about that situation. And when the Bible calls us to be patient, it is not calling us to be passive or indifferent or inactive. I have heard Scripture used, I've heard Scripture misused, I've heard this Scripture misused, trying to say something that the writers are not saying. Listen, by no means should a woman or a child or anyone for that matter who finds themselves in a dangerous, abusive situation just not do anything about that. Absolutely not. And by no means should someone who finds themselves being sexually harassed just, just not do anything about that. Absolutely not. And by no means should, should someone who's been wrongfully convicted, wrongfully imprisoned, just do nothing about that. No. But even though there are times when a proper response is required, we all know that there's times in life when the situation is just not going to change when we find ourselves in a really difficult place, and the question becomes, what do we do? How do we handle that when we're stuck in that situation? And this is exactly what's going on in the book of James, by the way. 
You back up a couple verses, you see James is actually talking about workers uh, who have been suffered, suffering unjustly at the hands of others. They have little resources. They have absolutely no leverage in the Roman Empire. So what do they do? How are they supposed to respond? Now, this is really important to us. Because again, we find ourselves in situations where we have just been dealt a bad hand. And while we can't always control the hand that we've been dealt, James is going to say, you can control how you deal with the hand that's been dealt. You can control how you play that hand that you've been dealt. And James is going to say, you need to learn patient endurance. I'm convinced that there are times when God's answer to us is, he wants us to patiently endure. Now, that's the easy part. The easy part's the what. The hard part is the how. How am I going to do that? How am I going to handle this? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because James has some strategies. James is going to share with us uh, some ways that uh, maybe help us get through some difficult circumstances with patient endurance. And the first is this. We need to lean on the Holy Spirit. Thank you for amening that. This is important. We need to lean on the Holy Spirit. Now, we talk about this a lot. We're not very good at doing it. We're just not. We need to trust the Holy Spirit. We need to lean on the Holy Spirit. You remember that famous list that Paul lists in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22? The fruits of the Spirit. Remember what number four on the list is? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Patience is actually a fruit of the Holy Spirit of God. It is a, it is a result of the Holy Spirit working in us. It's not the fruit of me. It's not the fruit of you. It is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Remember in John chapter 16, Jesus calls the Spirit our helper. The Spirit's, one of the Spirit's roles is to help us and to empower us. You want more patience? Ask the Holy Spirit to give you more patience. I hear people say all the time, I'm just out of patience. I'm not sure how much patience you and I ever start with, Okay. But I do know someone who has infinite amounts of patience, and that's the Holy Spirit. We need to lean on the Holy Spirit when we find ourselves needing patience. We need to trust the Holy Spirit. Times when we wait for God to work on matters which are outside of our control, which brings me to my second point. If we're going to play the hand that we've been dealt with patient endurance... It's going to involve believing that God's not finished with my story. Twice in James chapter 5, verses 7 and 9, James talks about God being a judge, standing at the door. This is a patience that's grounded in the conviction that God is still writing my story. That God is not finished with me just yet. Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 1, I'm sure that God who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus comes back again. See, I can be a little more patient when I remind myself that my story, your story, the story of my children, 
the story of my marriage, the story of my family. God's still writing that story. There's still a lot more chapters left in that story. And I don't know what God's going to do. And I don't know where God's going to take me. And I don't know what God's going to use and who God's going to use as he writes my story. Which brings me to my third point. We have to trust that while we are waiting, God is working. Um, Look back again at verse 7 of James chapter 5. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. James says, I want you to consider the farmer. He's going to use yet another metaphor in, in this book. Consider the farmer. Farmers work really hard to grow a crop, and yet they don't allow themselves to become discouraged when it looks like nothing's happening. You know, a farmer goes out and prepares the land, plants the crop, and then you look at a field and like there's nothing there. But a farmer knows something's going on. I can't see it, but I know something's going on. You know, in Florida, we are all familiar with bamboo, right? We know how invasive it is. We know how hard it is to get rid of uh, once it gets started. Some of us have been fighting bamboo for a long time. But bamboo is actually a huge crop across the globe. Uh, There's 1,400 different species of bamboo, I learned this week. In the country of Malaysia, bamboo is a huge cash crop. And very few things will test a farmer's patience like trying to grow bamboo in Malaysia. I looked this up. I learned this. In Malaysia, farmers prepare the soil, plant bamboo, fertilize it, water it, and for a year, nothing happens. The second year, they work the soil. They'll fertilize again. They'll water. Nothing happens. No sign of a plant. Third year, they'll keep, keep the soil fertile. They'll keep fertilizing. They'll keep watering. Nothing happens. The fourth year, they fertilize, they water, and bamboo starts to break through the surface of the soil in the fourth year. And once it does, it grows like crazy. It will actually grow 90 feet in 30 days. That's three feet a day. You can literally stand and watch it grow. And that's how fast it grows. So for three years, those bamboo farmers refused to allow the appearance that nothing's happening to get them discouraged because they know something is happening. And they know when it happens, it's going to be big. And it's going to be kind of amazing. It's going to be pretty impressive. And it's going to get people's attention. If I'm going to play the hand that I've been dealt with patient endurance... I've got to have the faith to know that God's at work even when I don't see it. Even when I don't feel it. Even when I've kind of convinced myself that, okay, God doesn't know, God doesn't see, God doesn't care. I've got to remember that while I'm waiting, God is working. And I also have to realize that one of the things he's working on is me. Okay, God, work in this situation. Fix this situation. Be at work here. Well, maybe God needs to do a little more work on me 
during this time of, of waiting as well. Remember the very first thing we talked about in this series, in chapter 1, James talked about trials and tribulations, and he talked about perseverance. The very first sermon in this series, James talks about perseverance and what, what we're going through under pressure. Now he comes back again in verse 5, talking about patience. And then finally, I, I think playing the hand that we're dealt involves recognizing that we are not alone in the waiting room. That's verse 10 of James 5. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Sometimes it's easy for the evil one to convince me that I'm the only person going through this. I'm the only one dealing with adversity. I'm the only one dealing with heartache, suffering, especially when it doesn't seem like this situation's getting resolved. Especially when it doesn't seem like anything's changed. But James says, as you're looking ahead, spend a little bit of time and look backwards. Spend a little bit of time and look around you. I like the way the message uh, translates uh, that same passage. Take the old prophets as your mentors. They put up with anything, went through everything, and never once quit. All the time honoring God. What a gift life is to those who stay the course. You've heard, of course, of Job's staying power. And you know how God brought it all together for him at the end. It's because God cares. Cares right down to the last detail. We are not alone in the waiting room. And listen, you don't have to read the book of Job to know that. All you have to do is look around this room. There are people in this room who have been in the waiting room for a long time. And I considered this morning just saying some names and sharing some situations and some life stories. But I'm not going to do that. One, I'd leave a lot of people out, and I'm not sure how that would be received. Um, but when I think of patient endurance, I think of so many of you, so many of our Bay Area family, so many who have endured serious health issues, so many of you who have endured loneliness, the loss of a loved one, or the abandonment of someone who claimed that they loved you. So many of you who have lived with heartache, who have advocated for a child, who have cared for a parent or a grandparent. So many of you who have been in the waiting room. And for the most part, nobody knows. And nobody really knows what you've gone through. People who are a part of our family, they're, they're us, they're you, who have patiently, faithfully endured. It's not because someone necessarily has mistreated you. You've just been dealt a difficult hand. And you've dealt with that hand sometimes for years, sometimes for decades. not alone. Whatever it is you're dealing with, you're not alone. 
And I'll tell you a couple things that you patient endurers have in common. One, and James actually talks about this, you don't grumble. People who have patiently endured, they've learned not to grumble. It's verses 8 and 9, by the way. When I am waiting for change, it's almost impossible for me not to complain. When I desperately want something to be different, my default reaction, and probably most people's is, I'm just going to complain. It goes hand in hand. Waiting and complaining seems to go hand in hand. And you don't think it's true? Stand in line at Walmart with one register open. (laughs) Go to the DMV and stand in line. Sit in a doctor's office for an hour before your name's called. I guarantee you will be surrounded by people who are complaining. You'll probably be one of those people who are complaining because when we have to wait, our natural response is to complain. Far too many people don't don't rise and shine in the morning. They rise and whine in the morning. But not the people I'm thinking of. Not those of you who have learned to patiently endure. It's the first characteristic of people who know how to patiently endure. Second characteristic, and I wish it wasn't true, but it is. There are things that we only learn through adversity. There are lessons. There are skills. There is empathy that we only learn when we go through something that we would have chosen not to have gone through. You know, again, so many of you, your caregivers, your single moms, grieving children, widows, widowers, parents trying to keep it together. I look at so many of you and I'm amazed that you haven't gotten bitter. Instead, you've gone deeper. You know, in a world of, that's saturated with shallow faith, We need followers of Jesus who choose to go deeper. We need people with a deep faith that works in the real world, a faith that sustains them through difficult seasons. James chapter 5, verse 7. Be patient then, brothers and sisters. Okay, how long do I have to be patient, James? Until the Lord comes. Oh, come on. Yeah, just be patient until the Lord comes. Which sounds like it's impossible, but is really good news. That is good news. Because what James is saying is, a time is coming when God's going to say, enough. When the sky is going to open. We talked about this on Resurrection Sunday. The trumpet's going to sound. The angels are going to shout, and Jesus is coming back. So James says, you be patient. You be patient because Jesus is coming back. Those of you who are in the middle of a difficult situation, those of you who are playing a difficult hand, you hang in there. Hang in there. You are not alone. God is at work. Don't give up. Don't give in. 
Dr. Glenn Olds, who's a former president at Kent State University, talks about seeing Mount Rushmore for the very first time. He was hitchhiking across the United States. It was in 1941. He said he was 10 miles away walking down the road and he looked up and he saw the monument and he could make out Washington and he could make out Lincoln, but in the middle he saw Adolf Hitler. Remember, this is 1941. But as he kept walking, the closer he got, he realized that what he thought was hair combed over a forehead was really support wires. And what he thought was a little mustache was really scaffolding. The the monument was still under construction. And, And he wrote this in his journal. What was Adolf Hitler at 10 miles away was an unfinished Thomas Jefferson up close. And that made such an impression on him that he kind of used it as a parable for the rest of his life and his educational life. And he would tell his students, almost every major problem that you face looks terrible from a distance. But the closer that you get, you see it's something terribly important that's still under construction. And I think there's a spiritual application to that story. You know, the problems that we see from a distance look so insurmountable. But the closer we get, we see that it's something terribly important that's under construction. God is still at work in our lives. God's still writing our story. James wants you to know God is up to something terribly important, and he's not finished yet. We're all still under construction. So this morning... May you have the patience and may you have the faith to allow God to finish what he's begun in us. God knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly what we need. The Holy Spirit is alive and well. He's still a helper. He still intercedes. God is still at work. Around us, within us, Even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it, God is still at work. And we need to get better at patiently enduring. Next week, we're going to finish the book of James. Next week is Mother's Day. We're going to talk a little bit about mothers, and we're going to talk a lot about what all of us can do to kind of wrap up all these things that James has been talking about. Hope you're here next week. But this morning we're going to end with a song of encouragement. If there's something that we can do as a church family to help you in any way, we invite you to meet us in front of the auditorium here. Let's go ahead and be standing while we sing.